church life rolls on. And um, so in, in or amongst all of our energy, I've just got a little bit of news to share you with, a little bit of um, just news for your prayers. And, and um, for starters, well, two bits of news. Um, Lewis Brunton had surgery on Thursday. Little Lewis Brunton, 10 weeks old, hole in his heart. He had about 10 hours of surgery on Thursday. His heart was up and out for um, about four hours, four or five hours. He's, I believe, still recovering. Obviously, it's, he's in ICU. Obviously, it's serious, a little fella. So please keep Lewis in your prayers. And uh, God's been good so far. And I'm looking at his grandma and grandpa and they're smiling and nodding. So that's good for me. Um, on, on another note, Raymond Wan came and saw me this morning. Raymond, as many of you know, has been battling the ups and downs of cancer for quite a few years. And he's been on that journey in and out of the fight. He came and told me this morning that he's just been discovered with two tumours in his brain. They're as yet small. He will be treated this week for those tumours. Basically, that means that Raymond, who has been in pretty good health lately, is back in the battle with cancer again. So he would very much appreciate your prayers in, in the coming week. And it's, as you can imagine, because Raymond's been through that battle up and down, up and down, uh, he, he's, he's a bit shell-shocked at the moment and would certainly appreciate your prayer. So I'm going to pray for those two people before we start. So just join me in prayer. Father, thank you for Lewis and thank you for the fact that he could have this life-enhancing surgery to keep his heart going. Thanks for preserving him for the first 10 weeks of his life out of the womb. And we do pray that he would recover. Lord, we know that he's very fragile at the moment. But we pray for his recovery and as... We have been praying, Lord. We just long for him to be more of a blessing to our family here at Penno. And so we just hold him up before you. Father, for Raymond, we know Raymond's been really through the wars with chemo and treatment. And uh, he's now back facing more treatment. So comfort his soul. And Father, we are again bold enough to ask for healing for Raymond as he receives this treatment this week. We ask your blessing upon him and his family in the name of our Saviour Jesus. Amen. All right. There is a, a line, I don't know this, it's been about around for about 10 years. It's a really powerful line if you want to use it. You can get away with anything if you use this line, so I believe. It's, it's no offence. No offence, but you've really got a big nose. No offence. Oh, no offence taken. Why would I take offence? Because you said beforehand, no offence, right? No offence. But you're a really bad driver. No offence taken. Why would I take offence when you tell me that I'm a bad driver? Because you prefaced it with the words no offence. Let me tell you, particularly if you're a younger person you like to use that phrase, if you ever say no offence to me, I'm taking offence, okay? (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't cut it. Back in my day, we used to have another line, a little bit more highbrow for the same sort of effect. It was the phrase, forgive me. A little bit more polished. Forgive me, but, but has anyone ever told me you that you have a big nose? Oh, thanks for letting me know. Forgive me, but you're, you're really struggling to drive well, aren't you? Oh, yes. Forgive me. Forgive me. It becomes a bit of a cheap word. Forgive me, doesn't it? It can also, you know, forget, the word forgive can be used quite cheaply in other ways. Somebody does something that really hurts, that's damaging, again and again and again and they again and they say, Oh, just forgive me. And it's just like, yeah, and you'll do it again and again. Or 
what perhaps more often happens is someone's done something and we're cut and you try and make up and you say, okay, I forgive you, but you hold on to your resentment and you hold on to your bitterness and you know that that person's going to pay. Because you might have said, I forgive you, but man, you don't do that to me. I am going to make sure that you pay the price for what you've done. And so I forgive you becomes really quite cheap because you're not letting go here in your heart and your soul. It's not forgotten. See, what is it when you're forgiven? Forgiveness is a, it's not a cheap word like we might often use it. Forgiveness is a powerful word, perhaps one of the most powerful words in the universe. Because it suggests when you're forgiven that there's a clean slate, that there's a fresh start, that the past is the past. Not forgotten not ignored, but somehow dealt with, somehow processed, so that you can move on. Have you, have, you known, have you known the power of forgiveness, or perhaps more likely you know the power of unforgiveness? Your brother, or your sister, maybe your mum and dad, your ex... your best friend and they betrayed you and they hurt you again and again and again and I'm not going to forgive the kids you know what do kids get upset what do you guys you come home you come home upset because because my friend said this to me and we're not friends anymore She's not my friend. She's not my friend. She's never going to be my friend because you don't say that to me. <laughs> you get really upset, but it's true, isn't it? It hurts. You say, I could never forgive. After all that I have done for them, I will never forgive. And you know what happens? You get immersed in gloom. And you try to, you try to pretend that I can, I can get on with life. You try to pretend I'm just going to ignore that. I'm going, I don't need my mother in my life. I don't need my ex in my life. I'm just going to carry on. And it makes you sick. Literally. And it eats away. We say, I've got a scar. Bull, you have a wound and it's festering. No scar there. See, what happens is somebody, when you get a breakdown with your friend, somebody has to cross the divide. Someone has to breach the gap. Someone has to go... Someone has to take the hit because someone's got to pay for this breakdown. 
Who's it going to be? Who's going to cross the gap? Who's going to bridge the divide? Who's going to take the hit? And more importantly, if someone does cross the divide, if someone does take the risk to restore, will it be accepted? If you've been married, you've been here before, I know. I just pick on an easy one. You know, you're in a bit of a row. Someone makes a move. Is it going to be accepted? Or is there going to be a bit more pain to pay yet, sweetheart? Only when I'm ready. But when the offer of forgiveness is received, how powerful is that? When someone bridges the gap and you receive that, there is joy, there is often tears, there is hope because there is healing. Now we have a scar starting to form. Now we have hope for the future. And you, you, you say, why didn't we do this earlier? I haven't spoken to my sister in 10 years. And then there's reconciliation. Why? Why did we wait so long to forgive? Well, the reason you waited so long is because forgiveness is not a cheap word. It's costly. It's perhaps the most costly thing in the universe. Someone has to pay the price. Our greatest need, I think, is forgiveness, restored relationship. You know what our greatest need is? The Bible tells us our greatest need, and really I think our souls tell us, is that we have restored relationship with our maker, with God, the one who gave us life, the one who has given us everything, the one whom one day you will meet your maker. How is it going to be when you meet your maker? Because we constantly turn our back on our creator. We reject our maker. We ignore our maker. We betray our God. We abuse our God as if what he says and loves and calls us to doesn't matter. The one who knows you, the one who loves you, you revile. You reject and there's a breach between us and God. So who's going to cross the gap of this divide? Because forgiveness is not a cheap word. Who's going to pay the price? Who is going to take the hit when there is no cheap forgiveness? This is the message of Peno Life. The last three days, the message of our church. God has acted to cross the divide. God comes to us. God takes the hit. God makes the first move. And he does it through his son, Jesus. Day three of Pano Life, God forgives me. Kids looked at the story of Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He was called by Jesus to follow him. Peter left everything and became a leader of the 12 disciples. He was bold. He was courageous. Jesus had Peter's back. And Peter had Jesus' back for three years. All this amazing stuff that Jesus did. Peter followed Jesus to Jerusalem. He knew it was dangerous in Jerusalem. 
Peter had the last supper with Jesus and Peter said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter said, no. They go to the garden of Gethsemane where Peter's arrested in the garden and Peter defends Jesus. He tries to stop them arresting Jesus. But they arrest Jesus and they take him away and fear takes control of Peter and he follows at a distance all the way to the high priest's courtyard as Jesus is taken to meet the high priest to be accused. And people come up to Jesus, Peter, who's waiting outside, and they say, hey, you're one of Jesus' followers. Don't know who you're talking about. What, what, me? No, 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 no. I saw you with him. No, no, no. Well, I don't know the man. I don't know him. Surely you've even got the same accent, mate. You're from Galilee. You've been following Jesus, haven't you? No. I haven't followed Jesus. Here he is, the guy, his best mate, the guy who's spending all this time with him. He turns his back on Jesus. Jesus needs him. This is Jesus' most desperate hour. And Peter says, <laughs> no, no, don't know him. Leave me alone. It's betrayal. It's denial. It's a stab in the back. It's unforgivable. After all that Jesus has done for Peter. And Jesus is led away to be falsely tried, to be beaten, and then to be hung on a Roman cross and to die. But what Peter didn't realize is that Jesus was taking the hit for Peter. Jesus was paying the price. Jesus was acting to cross the divide so that Peter could be forgiven. The righteous king dies on the cross, not just for Peter, but for all of us. For all of us saying, I don't know Jesus. No, no, I don't. I don't want him. Don't want him in my life. Don't need God. Don't need God's law. Jesus was paying the price. Jesus was taking the hit in his death on the cross for us. And if that's all that Jesus did, well, it wouldn't mean a lot to us because he would have just died. But God, in the, no, seeing the righteousness of his son, raised him up from the grave on the third day and gave him new life and offers all of us new life in Jesus. And the risen Jesus, the one who has conquered the grave, the one who died for Peter's sins, he turns up and he appears in his body to, to Peter. Now, how's Peter feeling? Oh, gosh. You reckon he's looking him in the eye? Maybe he's glad because Jesus is alive, but he's got this shame. I, my best friend, I told him to go. I told him I didn't know him. Will Peter accept Jesus? Or will Peter keep saying, I don't know you, Jesus? 
Well, we get to the end of John's Gospel, the passage that Harvey had read so beautifully for us. Three times Peter said, I don't know you, Jesus. I don't know this, Jesus. I don't need this, Jesus. Go away, leave me alone. Three times. When we get to this passage that Harvey read, I just jellyfish in front of my screen. <laughs> when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Will you accept me after all I've done for you? And Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus restores him and says, well, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I need you. And so Jesus restores him and says, take care of my sheep. Peter's going to become a leader of God's people. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. This time I'm hurt because you know what I've said. And he says, you, do, do you love? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, Jesus says the same to all of us. Doesn't matter if you're five years old, eight years old. 15 years old, 50 years old. Jesus says to all of us who have turned our back on him, John, you put your name in. Do you love me more than these? I know many of your names, but I won't pick you out. Put your name in there. Martha, do you love me more than these? What's your response? Lord, you know that I love you. How many times have you turned your back on the Lord? How many times have you hurt other people? How many times do you need forgiveness? And Jesus says, do you love me? Jesus has crossed the divide. Jesus has made the first step. God comes to you and your response, will you accept? Lord, you know that I love you. Will you receive? You see, the most powerful thing in all the world is forgiveness. Sets you free. Lightens your heart. Gives you hope and healing. It is life-changing to know that your maker forgives you. Do you love him? Lord, you know that I love you. Because, you know, here's what we're learning. Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. And Jesus has made the step to forgive you. Do you love him? Amen.